Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our meditation today is taken from the first letter that Paul wrote to the Christians who lived in and around the city of Corinth. Listen to chapter 1, verse 18. Paul writes and says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So far, our text. This morning, I would like to discover just how intelligent you are. Or, at the very least, I'd like to find out whether or not you're smarter than the average fifth grader. So here we go. Let's give it a try. Can you or can you not answer the following fifth grade question? So just sing out if you know, okay? Question one, what is the capital of Brazil? Ah, who said that? Very good. I did not know that one, I'll be honest. Okay, number two, kind of a science thing. An electrical current is made up of what kind of particles? Electrons, yes, you are right, okay. Number three, math. If my closest neighbor lives 212 yards away from me, how many feet do they live? 212 yards. What? 636. Okay, we struggled with that, all right. Uh, who wa- okay, history. Let's try history. Who was president during the Revolutionary War? Nope. George Washington. Okay. All right, one last one. This is kind of a Minnesota English uh, question, all right? What is the plural of moose? Very good. I didn't hear any Mises or mooses there, okay? Not bad, not bad. But I, I, I'm not surprised. You know, the average fifth grader doesn't have uh, anything on you folks here at Peace in Christ. You are highly intelligent, and I'm not just blowing smoke. Unfortunately, though, that's not what the world out there says about you, Christian. The world says the opposite. In fact, the world says that you have to be an absolute moron to believe in Jesus Christ. And believe it or not, that's exactly what Paul is thinking about as he writes our text for today. Paul says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Folly, from the Greek word moria, which literally means foolishness, nonsense, folly, slow-witted. And guess what? Moria is also the root word for the word moron. The fact that today, non-Christians, atheists, pagans, call them what you want, The fact that they view Christ followers like you and me to be morons, well, that's nothing new. I mean, 2,000 years ago, the original readers of Paul's letter faced this kind of intellectual persecution as well. And back then, most people in the Roman Greco world, they thought Christians were bonkers because Christians believed in only one God instead of a whole suitcase full of different deities. And in the city of Corinth, 
popular gossip in Paul's day accused Christians of cannibalistic body and blood rituals you know, connected with the Lord's Supper, as well as sexual uh, promiscuity because Christian husbands and wives would often refer to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. To the Roman world, Christians were insane, or at very least, not so bright. And today, well, the beat goes on. I mean, not much has changed in over 2,000 years. And just for fun the other day, I googled, why do people think Christians are crazy? And I was transported via the internet to all kinds of online replies and, and forums, and it turns out there's many reasons why people in our society consider you and me to be moronic. They think you're crazy because you believe what the Bible teaches about the existence of God. That in the beginning, there was God. They think you're nuts because you believe what the Bible teaches about creationism versus evolution, young earth versus old earth. They think you're crazy because you believe what the Bible teaches about sexuality. Male and female, God created them. Chromosomes, not feelings. The world thinks you're nuts because of what uh, you believe the Bible teaches about morality, that our creator determines what is right and wrong, not the creature. And the world thinks you're crazy because of what the Bible teaches and you believe about when human life begins, Minnesota, at conception. But the overwhelming reason why so many consider you today to be out of your mind has to do with Jesus Christ, specifically how God used Jesus to save mankind from sin and death. And they just might have a point here, because the way that God chose to save you, well, it's not exactly rational, is it? I mean, come on now, think about it. A virgin birth, really? An immaculate conception, the unconfinable divinity is trapped within a virgin's womb. God becomes a human who subsequently is tortured and then murdered in the most inhumane way ever, ever devised by humans. And then three days later, the same human kicks death to the curb, emerging from his makeshift grave, not only very much alive, but now he will remain alive for all eternity. We're not done. The insanity continues for God to forgive and forget every bad thing that you've ever done, for God to give you and grace you and gift you with eternity after you gasp your last earthly breath. The only thing God requires of you is to simply trust and put your faith and put your confidence in the Almighty's bizarre and far-fetched and ridiculous plan to save you. I mean, really, what kind of salvation plan is that? Anyway, I mean, couldn't you do better than that? Couldn't you cook up a better plan, a plan that at least makes some sense? Well, sure you could. Perhaps your plan would be, well, you go to school, you study the ways of God, and you earn some kind of advanced salvation degree. Or maybe 
your plan would be you simply accumulate spiritual points, spiritual green stamps that you can redeem someday for a heavenly past. You know, work rubies, pantry, earn 10 points, pay for the lunch of the car behind you in the McDonald's line, earn 25 points. Or maybe, maybe a spiritual lottery would be the better plan. For every $20 that you put into the collection plate, you get a heavenly lottery ticket. Who knows? You might just scratch off eternal life. Wouldn't those plans be better? Wouldn't they make much more sense than a manger and a dead man on a cross and a tomb and a faith scenario that God cooked up so long ago? Why in the world, why in heaven, did God decide to save you the way he did? Well, Paul knows why. He does. Did you catch it in our text? Paul says this in verse 29. He says, God chose what is low and despised in the world so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Of God. In other words, God used a virgin, a manger, a cross, and an empty grave so that you can't boast or brag or take credit for even the tiniest peaks of your forgiveness or eternal life. And oh, how we humans like to brag and boast and take credit for everything, don't we? No, I used to buy $300 letter jackets for my kids to show off their accomplishments. They really didn't want the jackets. I did. Okay? The walls of any doctor's office will be decorated with their academic achievements. Or, and this is probably the best one, go to any grad party and view a garage packed stem to stern with every kind of award imaginable from state championship medals to fourth place spelling bee ribbons back in second grade. We do. We all like to boast and brag and take the credit whenever and wherever we can. But here's the rub. When it comes to the forgiveness of your sins, when it comes to getting your hand stamped so you can pass through the pearly gates one day, you can't boast about anything because you're a sinner. You are nasty, and so am I. You're naughty, and so am I. You have absolutely zero spiritual credit, nothing, not a, a zilch. And I'm right there with you. Have you ever whipped out the plastic while standing in front of the cashier in a store ever to have your credit card denied? That's kind of fun, isn't it? Actually, it's, it's horrifying and, and humiliating, you know, all in the same moment. Well, of course my credit card is good. I just used it uh, yesterday. But when Jesus Christ returns on Judgment Day, there will be an awful lot of folks standing in the heavenly line to be surprised that they are devoid of any kind of spiritual credit. But I belong to the church, they will whine. I tried my hardest, they will weep. But having your name on a church mailbox and good intentions have never washed out the smallest state 
your sin uh, against God or open the door of heaven for anybody a single inch. Only the blood of Jesus, only that incomprehensible cross and trusting in him does that. Do you get it? Sin makes it impossible for you to do anything to save your soul. So what does God do? He designs a plan to save you where he does it all. He does all of the heavy lifting where God gets all of the credit and that's why his plan is so crazy because you can't brag about a virgin birth now, can you? You can't boast about a perfect life. Only Jesus can do that. You can't take credit for coming up with any kind of sin offering made on a cross or the power that it took to give death a spanking on Easter morning. Only Jesus wears those patches on his letter jacket. Your jacket is empty. But it is true, isn't it? The world will continue to believe that you're dumber than a box of rocks and a real moron because Jesus is your Savior. The world sees a babe in a manger and a man on a cross and an empty tomb, and all the world can do is scratch its head at so much foolishness. But you view those same things, and you see God at work, don't you? You see God's ingenious plan to save you because you could never even begin to save yourself. And you know what that makes you? It makes you wise. Wise indeed. Wise for forgiveness as you trust in God's plan. Wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It makes you wiser than the world. Much wiser than any fifth grader. Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.